Well, greetings, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Our Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher McClellan. Our podcast offers stories of fascinating residents who are proud to call the terraces at Bonita Springs home, as well as our terrific team members who are dedicated to support and improve our residents' lives. To learn more about the terraces at Bonita Springs Lifestyle, visit us online at theterraces at bonitasprings.com or call us at 239-306-5018. And be sure to subscribe to the Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. On today's episode, we have the honor to visit with caregiver advocate Sue Ryan. November is designated as National Families Caregivers Month, and this is a wonderful opportunity to spend time with caregiver extraordinaire, Sue Ryan. Sue is an accomplished speaker and best-selling author and is known for helping caregivers navigate their journey and finding balance, hope, and love because she is a caregiver herself. Let's enjoy my conversation with Sue, and I'll see you on the other side of the podcast. Well, greetings, Sue, and welcome to this episode of The Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections Podcast. I am looking forward to visiting with you today. Hi, Chris. I'm for looking forward to our conversation as well. Great to- Even though we don't really know each other, we, I, I, we're almost kind of soulmates because we're caregiver advocates. And one thing I've learned about this vast network of caregivers is that there's no strangers. While we may not know each other, while we may not know each other, we understand each of our stories, and it just kind of connects us together. It really does. I say very frequently, we're all in this together. <laughs> that is perfect. But tell our listeners a little bit about your caregiving journey. My caregiving journey began when I was in my twenties, which <clears throat> was before the internet, and it was with uh, actually it was our next door neighbor and her husband, when they started having, uh, his wife started having symptoms of dementia, but we didn't know that. And we were trying to figure out logically what was going on. At the time, there really wasn't information. First of all, people didn't talk about diagnoses that were, families were having. People kept everything private. We also didn't take our, our personal lives into our professional lives. There wasn't information on it and there wasn't a yellow pages. And so as as we as a community were rallying around our neighbors, trying to help them figure it out, our logical minds were trying to do one thing and the, the diagnosis was doing something else. And so what I say is that I often felt like I was on an emotional roller coaster blindfolded. Just we never right. knew when the other shoe was going to drop. We just never you know, knew what was going to happen. And one day something would work and the next day it didn't. And things that, you know, like, for example, as a parent, you want to protect your child and you do these things to try to keep them from getting in trouble. One evening she woke up to go to the bathroom and she thought it was Thanksgiving morning. So she turned on the oven to preheat it to put the turkey in. And of that generation, that's where they used to keep their bread and potato chips and things. So they just about burned the house down. My early caregiving journeys were ones where all I was trying to do was just survive, just get through them. They were brutal. And I've, over the years, learned a lot. I've been on more than seven caregiving journeys that are the the non-professional, the family and loved one caregiving journeys. 
Seven caregiving experiences. Wow. That uh, you've kind of seen it. It's interesting. You do something one time and you go, oh, that's an interesting experience. And when it's put into your life multiple times, not by choice, you realize that obviously this is part of the journey that you were put on here, this earth for. And I've recognized that and I've embraced that. Why do you think it's important for advocates to provide information for caregivers? There are three reasons, I think, Chris, and that's such a great question. The first reason is I know that it would have been so helpful for me in my early caregiving journeys to have been able to have learned from someone else who journeyed before me, to have been able to have sat next to somebody or listened to somebody who could relate to me and could share with me. So having somebody else who's who's there for you. That, that's one of the, the reasons it's really important. The second thing is each one of us experiences our caregiving journeys from different perspectives, from our mm-hmm. life's experiences and from our personalities. We each learn how to deal with stress differently. Mm-hmm. And our my, or myopic in our view, all we have is what we know. And when we're able Thanks. to learn from the perspective of other people, it allows us to open up to the potential and possibilities of what could be our caregiving journey instead of just what it is. And then the third reason is that I realize that the more often I share my experiences, the more it helps me in my caregiving journey. And so the opportunity for me to now be there for others helps and help others move along in their journey. You know, I say, I want people to learn faster than I did and have an easier journey than I did. And that's one of the reasons three reasons, actually, that I just feel like it's really important for us to share what we know. Right. I, I'm a firm believer, and it's through story sharing where diversity meets the road to collaborate on a common cause. And Ooh, I, love that. I, I just don't know of any other social issue, per se, that where you, you can have diverse people from different backgrounds when they share their story, caregiving story with each other three things happen. They get validation, they get resources, and they get a little respite, and they, they realize that they're not by themselves. Which is a very good point. And, and part of it is, I don't know many of us who as, as caregivers, non-professional caregivers, caregivers who are caring for family and loved ones, I didn't go to school for this. This wasn't, when I was looking at my career choices, this was not one of my career choices. I didn't say I'd love to be a caregiver. And so I, all of a sudden, one day I'm a caregiver. Well, I'm looking around and it's like, okay, what's a caregiver? And it wasn't like you're a caregiver and you do this. It was just, there's a diagnosis. You're a caregiver. Like, oh, so this is, you know, God bless the people who do this as a profession and they've studied it. But all of a sudden we're put in that role and there you go. And So I have to ask you my pet question. I I think I know the answer, but I'm going to ask it. Have you met anybody that has caregiving on their bucket list of things to do in life? (laughs) That is actually a really great question. I have not so far. I know it certainly was not on my bucket list. Because it just happens. It happens, uh, you know, an untimely diagnosis or an unfortunate accident and you're thrust into this role and goodness, it's, you know, it's one of the most gratifying things that you can do, but oftentimes we're unprepared, which uh, kind of, that's why I'm so excited to talk to you because I wanted to really kind of dig into your uh, 
the, the five steps that you have created. And I, I'm anticipating that this is part of your caregiving journey that, uh, that you've shared so eloquently with others throughout your career. Thank you. What I recognize through all, all of these journeys is that, as with anything else, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And what I've also recognized is that the beginning can either start as you see it on the horizon. Mom's got macular degeneration. They live in the same house they've been in for 30 years. Their bedroom's on the top floor. The laundry's in the basement. They're having trouble getting around. So you, you know that some caregiving responsibilities are probably going to be coming. Or you go to the doctor and there's a diagnosis. Nothing prepares you for this. No one prepares you for it. All of a sudden, you're a caregiver. Mm-hmm. Part of what I recognize, and, and in my parallel life with my professional career, a lot of what I focus on is helping people know how to intentionally navigate transitions in their lives, which means right. they understand themselves, they understand their personalities, they understand how they're uniquely wired. I didn't see that in the part with caregivers that nobody said, listen, one of the things we want you to do is to understand how you're naturally wired, how you naturally deal with stress. We want you to understand your beliefs and your values. And so much of what I've learned from caregiving support as I talk with other people is they have labels of what other people have told them the caregiving experience is. And they're not able to be part of the caregiving journey through their own lens. And they they don't understand how to, uh, their personality is under stress. And so when these right. just unusual events happen, they have this emotional free fall. And so creating the caregiver's journey and the phases of the caregiving journey helps people understand that it really is a journey and that there's a purpose and for each phase of the journey in their lives and it's to help them move forward as well. And, you know, the journey is so important. And you said something that that really hits home for me, you know, there is a beginning and then there's an end. And in most cases, we're not prepared for either one of those two life-changing events. You're exactly right. One of the things that I've learned to talk about is one of my phases is called the grace of grief. Mm -hmm. Tangled up in so much of our caregiving journey is emotions that don't serve us or emotions that are combined. Right. We often use labels for things. We, we say the word, I, you know, I feel guilty or I'm sorry or things like that. And we're just saying them and we're underserving what they really mean for us. That we feel guilty if our loved one can't go to have lunch with us. And so when we have the wrong emotion or the experience, mm-hmm. we underserve the experience for them and for us. And another big part of that is grief that we wouldn't have the emotion of grief if it didn't have a purpose in our lives. And yet so often the grieving um, process, which starts while we're in our caregiving journey, we're grieving the loss of intimacy. We're grieving the loss of perhaps travel or other things. And so those are often combined with people who are angry with the disease. And that's okay. They're angry with the disease. They're frustrated. They're, They're confused. So the grief part gets tangled up in all of these other emotions and they can't really learn how to experience it. And then when their loved one passes, people get stuck in grief because they don't know how to process it and how to work with it. So they don't have the ability to give themselves permission to feel the the emotions and to find their purpose for them. So they have the opportunity to do what we're all meant to do in our lives, which is to thrive. So they don't have the opportunity to move forward and learn how to reawaken 
and, and rediscover who they are after their loved ones passed and grieve and bring a closure to that so they're able to move forward. And it's kind of like when you're a caregiver for your spouse or your partner. It's almost like having two relationships in one, that that pre-established relationship that has been there for years, and all of a sudden that caregiving relationship comes and it, it changes the relationship in one sense. And then all of a sudden that both of those end simultaneously. And it, you know, it is an adjustment and it's often things, oftentimes that we, things that we don't talk about. It, it goes across the whole spectrum of, of support and having the, the caregiver themselves feel comfortable in, in making decisions that is beneficial for both the, uh, and I'll use the generic term here, both for themselves and their care partner. And, you know, especially as it, as you think about uh, needing assistance with a memory support and and choosing to to make changes and moves in your care plan, where mm-hmm. that you come to a community like the terraces that can offer that type of support for both the caregiver and the and the care partner. Oh, exactly. And one of the great parts about, from my perspective, and and you raise a really good point, Chris, when I understood my personality and I understood how I dealt with stress, I gave myself permission to be who who I really am in this caregiving journey. And when I knew that caring for my husband at home was no longer something that I was qualified to do, for example, He's larger than I am. If he fell, I couldn't get him up. I couldn't keep him safe. And if he was in what I call a dementia moment where they don't really know what they're doing, he's much stronger than I am. And he could do something that he would never, ever have wanted to have done. And it became easy for me. There was like the right thing to do for him is to put him in an environment where he could be social because he's a very social person. He could (laughs) be supported and he could be cared for. And so it became something that, you know, that I looked for, for for the community where he could be safe and he could thrive. I've had two goals for, for each one of my care receivers, one that they're safe and one that they're happy and all choices and everything that I do and decisions in, in, in the journey are based on that. I had no challenge emotionally saying now is the time to find a community that where he can be safe and happy. Because two things that happens that uh, then you, you both the caregiver and the, the care partner or the spouse or the however whatever term that you want to use uh, you get support and you get education and you realize that it's not uh, you're not failing your spouse or your partner by making these decisions you're actually helping both people that are involved in this uh, in this care one of the things I think is so sad is people who have, and I've seen so many people who've done this, the spouses where one of them says, they've agreed, well, I'll take care of you for better or for worse. So I'm going to keep you at home and I'm going to take care of you. And sometimes staying at home is exactly the right choice. And yet there are times when it's not. And the people who struggle and it impacts their health, and they talk about the millions of people who have diagnoses and the percentage of caregivers who become ill, that over 24% of the caregivers' health declines because they're trying to care for someone because they said, well, I promise I'll take care of you. Well, I promised I would take care of my husband and he's doing the same, you know, would take care of me. That didn't mean that the best place for him to have care was me doing all of the care 
taking care of everything and me doing it at, at home. And a big part of what I talk about is breaking down the roles of caregiving support, finding out what I'm qualified for and the areas where I'm not qualified. I do a lot of coaching for people, families and individuals who are in roles of caregiving support. And one of the things that happened with one of my clients is she learned when she became a caregiver, she's like, this really upsets me. I didn't realize that, that I don't have that kind of patience and I get very angry and I don't, I'm frustrated. I don't feel safe at night. And so she had all of these emotions and yet she struggled because she felt like she was supposed to do everything to care for her husband and to keep him at home. And it was literally destroying her health. And so a big part of what I talk about with people is how to have a healthy relationship for you with your spouse and with whatever choice of community or care is the right choice for you, not doing it because at some point in time, you, you had this decision where you're like, well, I should take care of them and I should do it all. Caregiver is just this big overarching term. That's right. I, I like to use the term, you know, our caregiving capes are limited. As soon as we can get in touch and understand that, it makes it a little bit easier to make some of these uh, more difficult t- decisions about about making changes that really benefit uh, both parties involved in this. Because one of the one of the great benefits at the terrace is you've got the independent uh, side and you've got the assistant side, and depending on on the current status, both individuals can lead a better life under additional care that's there for both of them. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, what we, what we're meant to thrive in our lives. Exactly. And the thing that is really helpful in a community like this, where it's continuing care, is that you come in in one, one level of health. And that as those health opportunities change and you know, something happens, whether it's a diagnosis, whether it's a fall, just the, the, you know, the normal aging process, whatever it is, A, we're not alone. B, there's a solution. There's just a, there's a path. It takes a lot of the stress and the overwhelm away. And so we, as it, it, the other thing I like about it is there's a partnership relationship. It's conversations. It's the education. Right. It's, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I've never done that before. Well, they do it all day, every day. And so I don't have to have all the answers. I know that I'm surrounded by people who provide the care in an environment I can thrive in at every stage of my health. And when it's with, the, with our, our partners and one of them declines in a, in a different way, they can both be in the same community and yet be getting the level of care that serves them thriving in the way that's best for them. And it's also when you're right there in house per se, there's a greater awareness of resources because another one of the other great things that the terraces does, and you're a perfect example of that, of bringing in resources that, that you know, the resources are there for the community and educational programs that you may not uh, be able to access while you're in the midst of caregiving at home. They're readily available for you uh, at the terraces. The resources are available. The other thing that's really great about being in a community is that you don't struggle with the daily tasks that would normally become more consuming of your time and your emotions. Right. It's harder to get, there's less interest in shopping for the groceries. There's less interest in cooking. There's less interest in the day-to-day act- activities. But when you're in an environment where you don't have to worry about a lot of those things and you can invest more time in your own personal self-care, 
and thriving and going down to the pool and going to a, an exercise class. And we had a friend who was in a, a different community in a different state a number of years ago. And we would call and we would always just get the voicemail. And I remember one, one time I left a voicemail. I said, Terry, I have no idea when I'm supposed to try to get in touch with you. And she called back and she said, well, she said, I've got pool yoga at eight and I've got bridge here. And then we've got lunch here. And then I've got the bridge club here. And it, the, the different things that they had going on. And her husband, Bill, was playing golf and doing these other things. And so whether it's sitting quietly and reading a book or whether it's being out and doing pool yoga, there are activities that you could be doing so that you're getting the most out of your day so that you thrive. And it is all about thriving in the midst of uh, caregiving. So, Sue, before we go, tell us a little bit about uh, some of the education programs that you offer. When I created the Caregiver's Journey, I created an online course for that, for one of the phases of it in the beginning. And the, the beginning phase that I've created the online course for is based on my the book that I wrote and fortunately became an international bestseller. It's Our Journey of Love, Five Steps to Navigate Your Caregiving Journey. And it really kind of goes through the messy middle of caregiving, right in the middle when you're in the journey of caregiving. I have an offering for doing workshops, individual workshops that complement whether you're doing the online course. I also do individual and group coaching. And I come in and I speak to individuals and groups and organizations. Well, Sue, it's just a delight visiting with you today. Thank you for the wonderful advocacy that uh, you're doing for uh, caregivers. And I look forward to visiting with you again real soon. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to share. And if anybody needs any help, we're all in this together. And I'm glad to do whatever I can. I appreciated the way Sue shared insights for navigating life's transitions to ensure a positive experience for caregivers and for those receiving care. Caregiving can be hard and rewarding all at the same time, and Sue is definitely someone who is helping caregivers navigate their journey while finding balance, hope, and love. Great job, Sue. Well, and thank you for joining us today. And to learn more, about our enriching lifestyle at The Terraces at Bonita Springs, please visit us online at theterraces at bonitasprings.com or call us at 239-306-5018 and be sure to subscribe to The Terraces at Bonita Springs Connections Podcast wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. I'm your host, Christopher McClellan. We'll see you for another episode real soon. Thanks for listening. Take care. Bye for now.